0: As we go verse by verse through the book of Acts, there's all kinds of topics and important things to discuss. And there's no way I can discuss all of them. And when I do teach on some things, there's no way that it is exhaustive. There's no way that I can actually say, this is all you need to know. No, these are just some things to help you think outside of your normal way that you were raised or the normal ways that you uh, have learned. And that you would really test everything as we are commanded to do. Because uh, uh, when we talk about the miracle and the purpose of the gift of tongues, there's a lot of confusion. So let me just remind you, last week we learned uh, about what happened on the day of Pentecost. Thousands and thousands of people were in Jerusalem. And they had come there for Pentecost, which means 50 days since Passover. And a miracle occurred. Everyone in that upper room was all of a sudden speaking in two dozen different languages and everybody in the, in the in the town gathered around that building heard them. They were filled with the Spirit of God and it was proven that the Spirit of God was there that day. Now that meant that everybody was confused. They said, how can this be happening? What is going on? So um, this morning now, we're going to talk about Two more things, and that is, first of all, what is the, the the miracle of tongues, and what was its purpose? So, if you'll start in verse four, we'll see where it shows up here, Acts chapter two, verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, which is much more important than anything else. Some people so desperately want to speak with tongues. Some people want healing. Some people, the most important thing you and I need is the filling of the Spirit of God. But here it says. They were all filled, these are the, the people up in the upper room, with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what is the gift of speaking in tongues? Well, this is a very important study, and I could spend probably a whole month on it because there is so much confusion and there's so much abuse of this. is one It's probably one of the most exciting things that you could ever see. If oh we lost it here. Uh, one of the most exciting things you could ever see uh, to, 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 to watch people stand up and claim to be able to speak other languages and speak to God and, and interpret languages, it's, it's, I, I, for a couple of years, went to charismatic churches. I've seen a lot, so uh, it's really exciting. Um, and uh, so when you try to compare it with other types of Christianity, you go, wow, that's that's the excitement there. But uh, I'm going to summarize some of these things about the gift of tongues. So if you've got a question about tongues, don't hesitate. Come and ask me, and I'll totally show you some more stuff because we're supposed to learn. all right? Things that you think you know about, certain things in Christianity, you're always supposed to be growing and testing. Now, I'm not going to convince you. If you believe that you can speak in tongues, I'm not going to convince you you can't. But I'm praying the Holy Spirit opens your eyes so you start to go, hmm, I wonder if what I'm doing is really of God. So, look in verse six. We're going to start here, and um, going to ask, ask what are tongues? Look at verse six. <clears throat> now there was now when this was noised abroad, the multitude, thousands of people in Jerusalem, came together, and were confounded, confused, because that every man heard them, the hundred and twenty up in the upper room, speak in his own language. Go down to verse eight. And they ask this: How hear we every man in our own what's the word? Tongue. All right. Now, what you you starting to figure out what our tongues? How hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And then it goes on and lists about fifteen different nations. Down to verse eleven. Now, list Crete's and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So, uh. Go one more. Go to Acts chapter 22 and verse 2. Acts 22 and verse 2. The use of the word tongues its a proper word. It's the right word for the King James Bible. But Acts 22, 2 tells you what we're talking about. 22 and verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul as he's getting ready to preach. And, and when they heard that he, Paul, spake in the what tongue? In the Hebrew tongue. All right. Now, you all hopefully can speak. All right, you're not mute. I think you're deaf, but you're not mute. Okay, that was a joke. Anyway, uh, tongues are languages. We use our tongue to speak. And we used to say, what's your mother tongue? What what is your language? My mother tongue is English, all right? But not England English, it's Texan English, okay? That's my mother tongue. But 2,000 years ago, there were about 2,000 languages at the time. Uh, How was the gospel going to get into all of those different languages? I was going to do it rapidly, like Jesus had promised. Well, chapter 2, look back there in verse 4. It is a supernatural ability. Uh, Tongues are a supernatural speaking ability that enables that enabled the first century Christians to preach the gospel in languages they did not already know. That's all tongues were. A supernatural ability enabled first century Christians to preach the gospel in languages they did not already know. Now I guarantee you, Peter knew Hebrew, he was Jew. He knew Aramaic because all the Jews had been away and had come back from Chaldea and Babylon. And he knew Greek. But he's standing up there and he's preaching to people who spoke Italian, early Italian. And he's speaking it like he grew up in Italy. Different people were speaking in languages that they had never learned. It's a supernatural. Look in 2-4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to say, Italian words, French words, German words before it was really developed like it is today. But they were speaking in other languages. These were, uh, uh, they are a speaking ability. They are a supernatural speaking ability. And they are understood languages. These believers, there's 120 of them in the upper room, they began to preach just like I'm doing right now. But as they began to say words in maybe Hebrew, because they're all Jews, out came another language. As if, you know, I know people who have, you know, maybe their mother tongue is in another language or maybe they know different languages. And I've asked them, this: what do you dream in? What do you think in? What language do you think in? I know you speak to me in English but what goes on inside your head before you say it in English? And they'll say usually it's in my mother tongue. All right? So and then out comes English. Well, that's that's a person who knows a language. What about if you didn't know another language you can't process it but out comes what you were going to say in English and or there in Hebrew and out came another whole language. And um uh, they, were, they were speaking known languages. Go back, I'm telling you, look in verse five. There were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. These were religious men out of every nation under heaven. So they're not just from across the road. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed. And they marveled, saying one to another, behold. Are not all these which speak Galileans? Galileans were not known for being so educated and able to speak multiple languages. Verse eight, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And then he goes through, Parthians, Medes. Let me see if I got my picture. Oh, well, I'll come back to that in a second. Let's see if I can do this. Um, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, in the parts of, uh, and in the parts of Libya around Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And I put up a quick map here, and the map just shows, here's Jerusalem, and these are Jews from Cyrene, which is in North Africa, Egypt, from Judea, obviously, from Arabia, a place called Elam over by Babylon, Media, Parthia, Mesopotamia, all these different countries, including Italy from Rome, had all converged on Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And they all knew Hebrew, but they had grown up with another language as well. And they're hearing these Galileans speak in their language. It was a, they understood them. And I want you to understand that because there are churches that promote tongues and nobody understands anybody. So don't believe that it, that they're speaking in tongues. Let me go back for a second. Um. They are understood languages. Let me give you an example here. It'd be like me sitting down with someone who only spoke and understood Latvian. Okay? And all of a sudden, I begin to speak Latvian. And guess what? The other person understands me. Now, I don't know Latvian, okay? (laughs) Guess what it would have to be for me to be able to speak in Latvian? A miracle. You understand what I'm saying? That was the gift of tongues. I can barely speak Texan, so anyway, you understand what I'm saying. It was understood they were able to communicate. Uh, And this was a verifiable miracle. There's proof. Fifteen different nationalities and all their different languages were being spoken, and the thousands of Jews were able to say, I hear him speaking. He's over there speaking. Proto-German, you know, early German Gothic. Somebody else is speaking over here, early Italian. Somebody else is speaking early French. And they're all sitting there saying, how do we hear these words in our languages? It wasn't like they're trying to convince people. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? No, they said, I understand what he's saying. They were the one that gave proof that this was a miracle. By the way, that's Latvian for... Something I don't know. I could. <laughs> anyway, I looked it up. Um, what was the purpose? As they said, it's a verifiable miracle from all over the country. Uh, that's not cool. Let me. I hope. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what was um, what was their purpose? This was a sign to convince unbelieving Jews that Christianity was from God. What was it that the Jews struggled with as a nation? That there was something better. You see, the Jews had this idea of we're we're nearly perfect. And they did not admit what the scriptures said that there was another covenant coming, and that there was a messiah coming, and that there was a savior coming, and that they needed to get born again. And even Jesus said to Nicodemus, He said, You're a you're a teacher in talking to Nicodemus, and you don't know these things? Everything points to the Messiah, and He's Jesus is trying to say, and I'm him. So they rejected Jesus. What did they end up doing to him? They crucified him. So here's now, all of a sudden, a miracle, 120 Galilean people who weren't educated, they're fishermen. They didn't go to school to learn multiple languages. They're speaking, proving they're filled with the spirit of God, and the Jews there are coming to realize, and they will, we miss Jesus. This is proof that what Jesus said was true. Go to Deuteronomy 18. This should be all, I don't know, uh, uh, just, just follow me along here. Go to Deuteronomy 18, back to the left. The purpose of tongues was to give the Jews a sign. Have you ever watched American uh, baseball or American football? Uh, I don't know if I see it in any other thing. It must be in other sports. Uh, I've never watched close enough um, with soccer, but anyway, the coach on the sideline has has signals. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where they'll get sometimes they'll tip their hat if it's in baseball. They'll tip their hat this way or they'll tip it, this, and it means do a do a bunt or do a high fly or whatever. And he'll be communicating to his team using signals. Okay. The coach does the same thing. If you see it in American football, they'll go like this. Now, that's a universal meaning. It's a sign this is time out. But that's a sign to the players. That's a sign to the referee. Well, the gift of tongues was a sign to the Jews that the gospel was just as much scripture as Genesis. Look in Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 18. I, God says this, Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will raise them, Israel, up a prophet, capital P, speaking of Jesus, from among their brethren, he has to be Jewish, like unto thee, Moses. I'm gonna raise up somebody just like you, and he will put my word, and, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. He will be judged. Verse 20. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall what? So if somebody gets up and says, "I think God doesn't mind, you know, homosexuality. I think God would really want um, uh, us to just um, uh, just to let let people live as they please and do as they please." You know what the Bible says? When somebody presumes to speak for God and he didn't say that, in the Old Testament, they had to die. Is that clear. You don't speak for God unless you have the word of God to quote from. Goes on, verse 21. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? How are we gonna know when it's a prophet that is of God and when it's a prophet that's not of God? Verse 22. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, if he makes a prophecy and it doesn't happen, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet that has spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. What did God actually promise in that scripture? That he would always give them a sign that this prophet is from me. One of the, one of the abilities of a prophet in the Old Testament was they could tell the future. Now, if I told you in two weeks it's going to rain, you'd say, yeah, big deal. It probably will. <laughs> all right. But these prophets could say in two years, an army is going to come out of the north and they will surround Jerusalem and you will be all taken away captive. And they go, well, how, well prove it. And he'd say, all right, tomorrow uh, such, such is going to happen. And that little miracle would prove the bigger one's coming. And if they couldn't predict tomorrow, how can you trust them for two years from now? You understand what I'm saying? So that was what God promised the Jews that he would always give them signs. Go to 1 Corinthians now. Oh, no. Uh, I'll sk- yeah, 1 Corinthians. I-, I got two scriptures here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 1 22. And we'll come back here to 1 Corinthians in a moment. But. 1 Corinthians one twenty two. the Jews, what do they require? They require a sign, a miracle. They need to know that what a New Testament Christian is saying is from God and not just made up off the top of their head. You know why the Jews really don't respect many Christians? They respect some, especially ones who actually go ex- explicitly by the Bible. But they don't respect Christianity because Christians is... a Christianity, if you've noticed, is a hodgepodge, it's a tossed salad of anything that you want to believe. And so, how are they going to know this preacher or that preacher or this? Who's right or wrong? So, God said the Jews, they expect a sign, they, they expect proof, they expect a miracle to back up what you're saying. Look at Isaiah 28. Hold your place in first screen. We'll come back to that in a second, but you got to go to Isaiah. I want to show you something. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11. Right stuck here in the middle of Isaiah, it says this. Speaking to Israel when they were rebellious, he said, for with, what's that next word? Isn't that a fun word? Stammering lips. Isaiah 28, 11, for with stammering lips and another, what's the word? I can't hear you. Another tongue will I speak to this rebellious people is what he's saying. He says, I'm not going to speak to you in perfect Hebrew. I'm not going to speak to you uh, uh, like a polished speaker before on a platform before a thousand people. I'm going to speak to you using stammering lips, Galileans, in other tongues than what you're used to, Gentile tongues. 1 Corinthians, now I said, go, go back to 1 Corinthians, go to chapter 14, because you'll see Paul quote this scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In the law, it is written, talking about in Isaiah, with men of other tongues and other lips, will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that they will uh, will they not hear me, saith the lord even though god does a miracle they still won't listen go down to verse 22 next verse wherefore what does it say tongues are for a sign not to them that believe it's not for believers but to them that believe not who's the them who needs the sign of tongues the jews it is not for believing Jews; it's for unbelieving Jews to prove that what's being said is true. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying, what I'm doing right now, preaching serveth not for them that believe not, but for uh, uh, but for them that believe. So some people come to church and they hear me going on about tongues, and they hear me doing on about this and going on about that. They go, I don't understand that. I, 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 you know, it's 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 complicated. So we try to make the gospel real simple, don't we? but i'm here to feed you that's what come if somebody comes in here most of what i say is goes right over their head doesn't it but here's the point if jews came in and they needed proof that what we were saying especially in the first century they needed a miracle now the miracle that i point to is the bible because all of as i'm going to say here and show you in just a few minutes all the miracles that that were in the first century were in place until the word of God was here. They were showing that Revelation was happening and that Romans and, and uh, 1 Corinthians, Second Corinthians, all the way to Revelation was all part of the same Bible. And once it's finished, it's done. I'll show you that in just a moment. The Jews needed to know four things. That Christianity was the fulfillment of the Jewish faith, that the Messiah's crucifixion was necessary to save them, which is what we'll see in the rest of chapter two. That judgment was coming, and there's only one way to be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, These very religious and devout Jews, as religious as they were, they were lost without hope and without God. And they needed Peter to get up there and preach and prove to them, you must be born again. So God gave those hateful, religious, lost Jews a sign, a miracle. What was the miracle? bunch of uneducated, stammering Galilean fishermen and carpenters speaking in over two dozen different languages the gospel. Unbelieving Jews who had resisted Christ and had called for him to be crucified just 50 days earlier and who clung to Moses were now being asked to trust in Jesus. Therefore, tongues are not for Christians. They were to win the Jewish people with. They, are, uh, they were supposed to be used so they could go into all the world. Go back. You all to remember Acts 1-8. Let's see if we can remember it. Acts 1-8. Let's see if we can say it. But ye shall receive power. There's that Holy Spirit filling power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? And ye shall be witnesses. You will be verbal witnesses telling people what you know in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, so far so good. Those are all Hebrew speaking. But then you go to Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. How are you going to speak to all those different people if they speak other languages? By the gift of tongues. Mm-hmm. That was going on. That's how come the gospel got into all the world in the first century because no matter who you met, the Holy Spirit, if you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you were able to speak to them in their language. That was, was what was going on in that first century. now there's, That brings us up to the second reason. The first purpose for the gift of tongues was to convince the Jews they need to get saved. Secondly, it enabled believers to go into all the world with the gospel and preach it to anyone. Jesus meant it when he said, go into all the world. He didn't say only go to those people who look like you, sound like you, and smell like you. He didn't say that. He said, you're gonna go and meet people who are all kinds of different cultures, all kinds of different languages, Go and I'll be with you, and he gave them that ability. Now that leads a question, says, can Christians speak with unknown tongues now? And the answer is no. The gift of speaking with languages that you don't already know has ended. You're in First Corinthians go back one chapter to chapter 13. First Corinthians 13 in verse eight. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, charity never faileth. That'd be a good good verse to memorize if your wife was named Charity. She never fails, right? (laughs) Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. That's a scary statement for a Jew because they're like, how can a prophet fail? Maybe he's not needed anymore. Let's keep going. Whether there be tongues, they shall, what's the next word? Cease. What does cease mean? It'll end. It'll stop. And whether there be knowledge, supernatural knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, we'd say in bits and pieces is how we would use that. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, all those parts, shall be done away. So he's listed three parts. Now there's lots of them. There was healing There was a miracle of tongues. There was a miracle of prophecy, being able to tell the future. Um, All of these are parts until something that was perfect was coming. And if you have a Bible in your hand, that's what he's referring to. Because all of those parts were giving revelation, giving New Testament truth before it was ever written. Aren't you glad you have a written Bible? Aren't you glad you don't have to depend upon me to give you new revelation? That'd be very dangerous, wouldn't it? How would you know if today I'm spirit-filled and next week I'm not? So all of those miracles were used to get the word out before the word was written. And now we have it done. As a matter of fact, Paul said, when I was a child, look there in verse uh, 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Put away all my childish things. Um, Some of you remember the toys you had when you were kids. Do you still play with them? You don't pull them out of the box, out of the closet every once in a while, do you? I hope not. You put them away. You leave them for the grandkids. Amen. All right. Paul said all of those things that were partial, that were only bits and pieces of the revelation of God in the New Testament, all of those things have ceased and they've been done away. So Paul compares tongues and the gift of prophecy to childish things until the word of God was completed. and We don't need prophets anymore. Do you know what we need? People who just preach what's in the Bible. I had somebody ask me a long time ago, I said, how do you know what to preach? Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to come up with anything to preach. I'm just reading my Bible and whatever jumps out at me and grabs me and cuts me and, and, and changes me. I'll preach. I don't have to make up anything. It's already written. Just preach what's there. That's the job of a preacher. I'm glad it's finished. We don't need prophets. We don't need prophecies. We don't need tongues. That gift is finished. Let's see. Uh, Did you know the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues more than everybody else? Um, Let me see if I can find. I've got my order out of... um, Fight it in a moment here. It is. That's right. Look in 1418. The man. Ah, there he is. 1418. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> so, Paul, how could he do that? Well, he wasn't just sitting there speaking in unknown tongues all the time. He actually was meeting people and he got, I'll tell you this: he got to enjoy the miracle of speaking in tongues because he went out and he gave the gospel to everybody, no matter what language they were in. And I found that if, if you're serving God, if you go soul, and if you hand out a gospel track and you just talk to people about the wonderful things of God, talk about the gospel of God, the coming judgment of God, you'll enjoy the, the, the fullness of the Spirit and you enjoy the ability to speak, not in tongues, like you've never known before. God just helps you. So that gift is finished. But the only thing that charismatics, many Pentecostal churches, Holiness churches, what they claim to, and what they hold on to now, is this ability to speak gibberish. They call it worship. They, they say that they're speaking in an unknown heavenly language. Oh, I'm not speaking to men, they say. But I'm just speaking to God. But it's gibberish. Not a language at all. A real language actually communicates information. That's, uh, a language is not just sounds and syllables, but... Every word is a carefully constructed sound and syllable that makes sense. There are examples. I, I, I'll tell you this in a second. Let me let me use an example, okay? Ha la 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 shan na bonar de dah haz. You might know what I just said. Neither do I, because I made it up. But that's what is tongues. I actually went onto the internet and I spent probably 45 minutes searching with all kinds of different tools, trying to find somebody who wrote down what somebody else said when they spoke in tongues. Nobody does it. You see, if they think that they're spirit-filled and they're actually saying things that God is revealing, how come somebody's not writing it down? They don't write it down because they know it's made up. It's trained. I won't go into all the details. Um, In reality, modern speaking of tongues is self-induced and is learned behavior. Um, There are are YouTubes that will teach you how to speak in tongues. Is that cool? That is so evil. Do you know why that's evil? Because Acts 2, did they have a class on how to speak in tongues? No. If you could speak in tongues, nobody has to teach you. It is not miraculous. It's not anything like recorded in the scripture. Tongue speaking today is not done in the presence of unbelieving Jews. It is mainly done to show as a show to other believers. You say, how can you be so harsh? And I am being harsh. Don't misunderstand. Being harsh for a reason because there is so much confusion out there. There is so much allurement to that kind. And I was in for years in churches like that where in the middle of the pastor's preaching, a woman or a man would stand up and began speaking in tongues, and the church would stop. The pastor would wait, and then as soon as they finished, somebody else would stand up. The interpretation is, rain is coming. They always talk about rain. (laughs) And and there's a great outpouring of God's work, and, and he'll talk, and then the pastor will go back to preaching, and then somebody else will stand up and start speaking in tongues. And the church would go on for two hours waiting for people to keep talking. It's psychotic, and I'll be quite honest with you, it's an open door for demonic oppression. Do you know when I read those words, ha, la, I wrote them down so I could remember it, ha, la, 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 shanu, buna, ha, dah, las, I have no idea if I just honored a demon or Barack Obama. I have no idea what I just said, and if I'm in a mystic trance of trying to repeat words over and over hypnotically, I don't know if a demon is in control of me or God, I have no idea. It's not of God. The spirit of the prophets is under the control of the prophets. They don't quack like a duck and roll on the floor. Watch people today speaking in tongues. They are out of control. They swagger like drunken people. They have uncontrolled laughter, and they shake uncontrollably. It's hard to watch, folks. Did you know that unsaved people who don't believe in God, when they go into hypnotic trances, they can do all the things that charismatics can do. Hindu gurus get crowds of thousands of people shaking and speaking gibberish for hours. You can teach people and you can hypnotize people and they're not spirit-filled. These guys stood and they were under control and they preached and people got saved. That's cool. If tongues were a gift today, let me be real clear, missionaries would never have to, missionaries from Alabama would be able to go to France and they'd be able to start speaking and preaching in French. Did you ever think of that? If tongues was actually in, in, now you say, you don't believe in miracles. Oh, I believe in miracles. God is still God. But when it comes to this gift, it was for a time, it served a great purpose, but now we have to go to school. We have to go to university to learn a language. If tongues were a gift for today, then missionaries would be able to go from Barcelona to Beijing and be able to start speaking and preaching in Mandarin with no problem at all. And I've asked every single Pentecostal that I ever met, I, asked, I, I try to always ask this question. If they're so emphatic and they'll say to me, you need to speak in tongues, great, You need to be filled with spirit. I'll say, if you would go to a mission field and if you ended up in Beijing, would you have to go to school to learn uh, Mandarin? Oh, yes, of course. I says, then you're not a tongue speaker. It doesn't work that way. It's a gift and there's no, and I asked him, I says, you ever known any missionary who ever went to another country and never had to learn the language the normal way and not one of them ever have? But on that day of Pentecost, Peter, James, John, Mary, uh, Thomas, none of them had problems speaking in languages they had never heard before, never known. And you know what? 3,000 people got saved. So why would God describe and show us a gift that we can't enjoy? Why would he do that? Well, it's because it wasn't for us. Tongues were assigned for the Jews. Did you know not everything in the Bible is for us? Okay. How many brought a lamb to church today? But it's in the Bible. Okay. Who's going to be the high priest next week? But it's in the Bible. But you know, no, no, no. There's some things in the Bible that are not for us but they're all written to us, we learn from it. We need to remember some things, that the day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast day, that this Bible we hold in our hand is a Jewish book, that Jesus was a, dare I say it? You know how people get offended at that statement? Jesus was not a Jew, yes he was. Jesus came to the Jews first, the gospel is always supposed to be preached to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. We're next in line. We're not, we're not top of the line. The Jews are supposed to get the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean the Jews are saved. It doesn't mean that they're righteous. It just means they're always at the center of God's plan and his work in the world. And he always starts with them. That's why he, uh, uh, God always, no matter how far we go through history, God always reminds us Israel's there. And and Hitler said the problem's a Jew. He had no idea what he was saying. Everybody cannot escape the fact that Israel is part of God's plan. So you better pray for the peace of of Jerusalem. You better love the Jews. They need a good kick in the rear a lot. I don't agree with a lot of things that they do. But I definitely don't pray for them to die or be judged by God. They are God's special people. And so am I. But the point is this, don't hijack the gift of tongues and say, oh, that's for me. It doesn't belong to you. Johann's going to get some gifts on, uh, uh, on Friday and he'd be very upset if I came and I took one of those gifts for myself, wouldn't he? And the gift of tongues was for the Jews. Gentiles spoke it. And, they, and if you read 1 Corinthians, they got all messed up on it. They forgot that the purpose was to win the lost and the Jews you know there are actually a bunch of other gifts that are for us maybe not as expa- exciting as healing and speaking in tongues but you know the gift of God which is eternal life that's a whole lot better than speaking in tongues I told you last week or two weeks ago I was in a church stayed all night everybody was singing kumbaya all night long everybody was swaying everybody was speaking in tongues except me <laughs> you know what I wanted to speak in tongues I never heard the gospel I never knew I was lost. I never knew I needed to be saved. All I wanted was the gift of speaking in tongues. If I did get that gift, I would have still ended up in hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gift of eternal life is far better. The gift of power and love and of a sound mind, I want that. This tongue gets me in trouble. The best thing I ever do is shut it up and just have peace with God. Amen. That's a gift. How about the gift of ministry? That's a gift. The ability to humble ourselves and just serve other people, even though they walk all over us and take advantage of us, that's a gift. Not everybody's got that gift. How about the gift of preaching and teaching and giving? Just use the tongue you have, amen? Don't worry about getting extra tongues. As the Indian once said, me thinks he hath fourth tongue, <laughs> worry about having any other tongues or any other miracles. We need to speak loud and clear using the one that we've got. Use it to glorify God to the winning of a soul. Everybody wants church about them. You know why we're here? To learn something and get motivated. So for them out there, to give the gospel out there, we're supposed to live our life for the lost. This world still needs to hear the gospel. How shall they hear without a preacher, though? You can you can help Bibles get translated, published, and distributed in other languages. It takes a lot of work. I like helping people in other countries getting the word of God, not through the miracle of tongues, but through pa- painful, careful, patient translating. Someone here could answer God's call to go as a missionary somewhere far away, take two years to learn the basics of the language. I got a friend who's up in Sweden. And he's just spent two years and he preached his first message back before they locked down again. He preached his first message. It lasted seven minutes. And he preached in Swedish. And he mentioned meatball all the time through. Okay. No Swedish meatballs. Anyway, he was so delighted. Two years we will speak for seven minutes. That's missions. And it's what we need to get back to. You know, every one of the rest of us can pray and financially give so that others who are going as missionaries can keep preaching the gospel. That's why we have missionaries that we support and we pray for. Use the tongue you've got, help people keep preaching the gospel. So, Pentecost was a once off event in history. It happened 40 days after, 50 days after Passover, and that was it. The cloven tongues of fire have never happened again. But boy, did the gospel get all over the world. Pentecostal was a sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. and Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is still here, but not for much longer. You better know your Bible. We're getting out of here soon. And it was a signal. That is what we'll talk about next week. The gift of tongues was not all happy, clappy. It was the judgment. The day of the Lord is coming. So the day of Pentecost pointed to the day of the Lord. As I said last week, um, that shouldn't be there. I've answered those questions. The gift of tongues was for the Jews. It was real, verifiable. There's no speaking in tongues now. Just use the tongue you have, especially to call upon the name of the Messiah to save you. Would you stand with me and bow your heads in prayer? With my stammering lips, I've done my best to try to speak and convey to you when we read of things in the Bible, we need to ask ourselves this. When God motivated those men and women that were in that upper room to speak, they spoke. Now, what came out was other languages, but they got up and they said the first syllable and they spoke the first words. Now, you're not going to have the gift of tongues, but shouldn't we be just as motivated as they were to speak the wonderful words of life? Will you respond by faith? You know, um, the world still needs to hear the gospel, and most of us are too quiet. We're like a candle that you've put a cover over. We're like somebody who goes to work every day or to school and we put duct tape over our mouth when it comes to the gospel. God doesn't want us to be yearning for the gift of tongues. He's yearning for us to want to use the one we have. But before you can do anything, you better use that tongue to cry out. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that serious that you can use your tongue and waste it all your life talking about everything except Jesus, or you can use it and make a difference. And the first difference is to cry out, Lord, save me. It's the best day of my life. I wish I was Pentecostal. I think I've told you this before, so I could get saved again and again and again. (laughs) They think they can lose it. But I loved the day I got saved. It was the greatest day of my life. Broke me, humbled me, and it'll break you too. You cannot come to God, religious and good and perfect. You come as a sinner. You come lost without hope, without God, and you cry out and you say, God, if you will save me, I want to be saved. And he says, I will. And Dear Christian, if he has saved you, will you give him your tongue, the one you have? Father, I love you today, and I thank you for this wonderful group of people. Lord, we're kind of in an upper room at this moment. We're asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We want so much to be different than we've ever been before. We don't know how far it'll go, but I know this, we need to speak up. We need to say something. You called us to go and to preach to every creature and we're not. So maybe today, God, we would take this upper room moment and say, Lord, I'm gonna go ahead and speak and whatever comes out of my mouth is your business. I just wanna preach the good news. I just want to preach and say what you've already said, that this world needs you. Every person needs to be born again. This is not a Baptist thing or religious thing. It's a sinner thing. Would you please help us to have an upper room experience where we want to speak now? And I pray that this world would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.